Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. Hello, team. This is the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield, the host. Uh, Ward Carroll is our co-host, and our special guest is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette newspaper. Our producer is Chris Cervello. Uh, here we are. We're at midweek. We're getting ready for the next weekend of action. Tonight, actually, we will be covering the men's soccer match um, in their Patriot League play starting at 7 p.m., But we're going to break down the next game that is for the Naval Academy football team. We talked at length on our post-game pod, brought to you by Sheehy Lexus, about how much we stuck in there in the first half. And then the second half, three of the the first three drives were really the death knell, and it ends in a 28-20 to loss. Now comes uh, the next challenge, and that is, I can't remember, Bill Wagner, the last time that, that a Navy team was playing an unranked American Athletic Conference team and was a 16-point underdog. But that's what the Gus Malzahn-coached UCF Knights bring on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Um, We're going to do it just like we did the last couple of pregames. What do you see? What's going to be the the biggest key to our success? And if we fail, what's going to be the reason we fail? Well, as far as the point spread, it just goes to show what the – National pundits think of Navy, don't think they're any good, but they'll get, you know, stomped on their home field. Um, Chris Savello uh, picked the uh, Navy to cover against Houston and was a big winner because Navy was a 20-point dog in that game and and only lost by eight. I don't see Navy losing by 16 to Central Florida. Central Florida's coming in here with a freshman quarterback with who has very limited experience, basically mop-up duty in one game. So, you know, if they were coming in here with Dylan Gabriel, who's an outstanding quarterback with incredible passer, uh, I might be a little more concerned. But I think Brian Newberry, the Navy defensive coordinator, will dial up something to deal with a freshman, you know, true freshman quarterback. But there's another – I mean, Navy's got to get a win. John, they're, they're 0-3 for the first time since 2001. As we know, that's the year Navy finished winless. Charlie Weatherby got fired mid in the season. And now it's eight straight losses dating back to last year. So this has got to stop. And, you know, it only takes one game to turn things around. You beat Central Florida when you're, you know, an underdog. And Central Florida is one of the better teams in the American Athletic Conference, picked to finish second behind Cincinnati in the AAC. But you beat Central Florida, and it does world of wonder for your confidence. So they're going to need Xavier Arline and the offense to get it going. You can't win scoring 20 points. Navy needs to get up into the upper 20s or 30s to beat these AAC teams that are going to score points. So, Ward Carroll, what's the key to scoring points other than the quarterback play? Um, Wags talked about Xavier Arline. Um, or, in your opinion, does it really fall on Brian Newberry's defense to continue to do the bend, not break thing and understand that 
time of possession is not going to be like something that they've enjoyed in the past. Well, so the Brian Newberry defense has done what they can do, and that's shown that absent product, absent production on the offense, that won't win games. So to build on what Wags just said, I think we're past discussing X's and O's, and now we're into the intangibles. And we mentioned on the last show that we all had a sense that the team found something in terms of the intangibles at the outset of the Houston game. And when you find that heart and you find that ability to dig deep and bring the will to win, then the other stuff falls into place in terms of the mechanics. So I think that's where we are in the matrix for the balance of the season. And I agree with Wags. Nothing succeeds like success. So if they can get their legs under them confidence-wise, then maybe we can start to move forward. As you mentioned, UCF is starting a freshman quarterback. That's in our favor with respect to how it otherwise might be. So I, I just feel like, you know, we can talk about the triple option execution. We can talk about the go to the ball, Newberry defense. And we have talked about those things. In my mind, we're now into the, the spirit piece, the, the will to win piece. And, and so we'll see what we show up with on Saturday. Yeah. Before I kick it to Chris for what he's going to be looking out for, you know, UCF should be three and L they started the season by beating a very good Boise state team and Boise state is always good. They then trampled uh, Bethune Cookman, which I mean, there's a walkover, but it's 63 to 14. And then they were tied with Louisville at Louisville at 35, having just gotten an interception in Louisville territory. And for some reason, Gus Malzahn decided to throw on first down and it got pick sixth and Louisville beats them 42 to 35. You do a couple of running, running plays and they're in a position to kick a field goal as time expires and beat a very good Louisville team. So Chris, this is another uphill battle and I'm not going to ask you to predict the score or predict anything other than, is this just a case of us needing to understand that UCF is the beginning of a trend line for the rest of the year where they are going to be much bigger, much faster, going to be favored by double digit points. And it's going to be an uphill battle. I think this is the game to win for, for lots of reasons. I mean, the, you know, not the least of which being that you're zero and three. And as you guys have said, it doesn't get any easier, but I think the fact that you have a true freshman quarterback, I think the fact that you found something on defense last week, the fact that you started to turn things around on, on offense, um, I think the mids come out and win this game, John. I mean, I'm, I know we're not doing predictions, but I, I just have a feeling that they made enough progress last week that, that if there is a game to win, this is it. Um, so I'm going to look for, the, for them to play mistake-free football on both sides of the ball, uh, really on all three sides of the ball, uh, you know, if you include uh, special teams. It's got to be mistake-free. If they can play mistake-free, I, I really do think this is the game to win. Wags, you get the last word. Well, I just had a question I was going to throw out there, and I was actually kind of going to address Chris. There's one thing that concerns me here. Last week, Coach Niamatololo, during his media presser, talked about if you find a quarterback, settle on a quarterback, you can start to build your offense around that quarterback. And the, the entire offense knows this is the guy, this is what he does well, this is how we're going to play. So I'm a little concerned Ty Lavatai is – now 100% healthy, 
Coach Niamatololo told us that although Ty dressed for the game and went through some pregame warmups at Houston, he was not really available, but he's now 100%. And Coach Niamatololo told us Monday that the quarterback competition has, is open again. John and Chris and Ward, we're three games into the season, about to play a fourth game. Should we? Are we still trying to find a quarterback? And I guess maybe this is a nod to the saying that a guy doesn't lose his job because of an injury because Ty got injured against Marshall? I'll, I'll go first, and I'll kick it to Chris really fast. I, I really do think that you have to go with Ty Labatai. Um, I, I believe that you need to utilize the big receivers. I believe that he has the better arm. I believe he's more athletic. I believe that he needs, particularly in a season where you might not win a lot of games, you need to expand his dress rehearsal a little bit because I really think that he's the one who has the intangibles, the size, the arm, the command of the offense to, to get W's or at least get us closer. Chris? I'm kind of where, where you are. I mean, we, we talked about this. I mean, I, I like the idea of um, a six-foot-plus, 220-pound-plus quarterback running this offense. Um, now, that's to take nothing away from – um, the effort that Xavier put in last year and has put in thus far, I think it's obvious that Navy has not yet found the offensive combination that is going to set them up for success. And so whether that's going with Ty or whether that's continuing to tinker, um, I, I think they're not quite there yet. Um, and, and again, my hope is, is that they were able to make some of those adjustments this week and that they will continue to improve throughout the game so that this year can, you know, can be salvaged in, in, in some way. Ward, any last thoughts? Well, in coach's defense, I think the ability to go with a guy and, and have consistency there is a function of performance. And, and absent that, you kind of got to keep trying the other options. And, and so if, if any one of the three – had given, and again, like you've said, there's some mitigators, there's some asterisks on this statement based on injuries and, and other circumstances. But if any one of them had given the coaching staff some glimmer of consistency and sustained performance, then they probably would have done exactly that. And absent that, you're, you're going to just keep trying, you know, the other option to see if something might take hold, and it hasn't. So this is just so far a high entropy, chaotic, suboptimum situation. Um, ideally, yes, you would pick a guy and just let him figure it out and allow him to have some missteps and hopefully he'd gain some confidence and find his way and then build on that. Um, but I think at the same time the clock is running, the score is what it is at any given point. There's pressure to make things happen in terms of offensive productivity. And, you know, there's just nothing, there's been nothing to build on because it's just been so starting with, you know, X, um, but nobody else is really, you know, sometimes it's a good arm. Sometimes it looks like he's got some speed in the open field. It, it's just not, nothing's happened. That's given them a clear option here. I think Ward is right because coach Nehemoth, we asked him, when are you going to settle on a quarterback? And he said, when somebody seizes the job, and I guess the coaching staff does not feel that anyone has seized the job yet. Well, gentlemen, expert analysis as usual. Um, we will, um, as per our norm, 
bring you the pregame show brought to you by the Graduate Hotel from 1130 to 1230 uh, right there at the Graduate Hotel's outdoor deck. Uh, please come by and say hello. Uh, we have masks. If you don't, you know, don't remember from the last home game, if you're going to go anywhere indoors at Navy Marine Corps Stadium, you need a mask and we'd gladly give you a sing second sports mask. Uh, but yeah, the next time we talk to you, other than our uh, other than our um, hit from the men's soccer game uh, tonight, will be uh, during the pregame. But yeah, really good discussion of what I think we're going to see on Saturday and some of the issues that we need to deal with in order to get the program back on track. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Coach Pat Owen and Navy golfer senior Nick Clock, who drained the dagger, so to speak on Sunday to win Navy golf, the star match over army. So stick with us. These are two amazing interviews. When we come back, you'll hear them. I'm John. We're going to go to break. This is sing second sports. This week's episode of sing second sports is brought to you by our sponsor, the Naptown scoop local news with a personality. The Naptown scoop is our go-to resource for events, music, and more. Follow the Naptown Scoop on Instagram at Naptown Scoop, N-A-P-T-O-W-N-S-C-O-O-P. And subscribe to receive the Scoop newsletter at www.naptownscoop.com. Thank you to the Naptown Scoop for being a fantastic supporter of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Now back to the pod. We are so, so honored to be joined today by Midshipman First Class Nicholas Clock. Uh, he is a senior from, I, th- I believe we pronounce it Moraga, California. Is that how I say it, Nick? Yeah, that works. Yep. Uh, all right. So when a lot of us on Sunday, pro- you know, possibly sitting around doing yard work, maybe you're watching the Broncos-Jets game. It was a really high action, interesting game. Um, or you might have been out at the newly renovated Naval Academy golf course to see Army take on Navy in the star match. Uh, something that we haven't had a lot of success in, particularly recently. And let's cut right to the chase. Uh, it it goes all square. You have to go to the final playoff hole. Um, Coach Owen and Coach Burke put their trust in, in you, Nick. Uh, and I'll let you walk us through uh, more of the details. But suffice it to say, in the end, you drain a little slippery putt uh, up on one to win the star and, uh, and yeah, the video of your teammates mobbing you afterwards was just so special. And I'll tell you what, um, talking to Stacy yesterday and what you said to the coaches, you know, when they picked you to play that hole and you said, Hey, no matter what happens on here, I will never forget the trust that you placed in me. Um, that was what it really, that's when it hit me. And that's why we do this podcast. And that's why we care about the midshipmen and a physical mission Walk us through uh, what that day was like for you and then particularly how that hole played out. Yeah, so the day pretty much started off, uh, you know, I had my singles match and kind of got off to a weird start. Um, I think I was one up through five holes, but I felt like I was playing a lot better than one up. Um, I kind of like, I'm not going to lie, I kind of went into it expecting to win and win pretty handily. I felt pretty confident about my game going into the weekend. Um, and then pretty much starting on hole six, I kind of went on a tear. Um, and by all intents and purposes, I 
handled that match very easily and won six and five on the 13th green. Um, and so when, when that was over, I mean, I was pretty ecstatic, um, especially after winning on Saturday with Chad and the four ball. Um, and the first thing I could think about after finishing the match was, all right, where's everybody else at? Um, Cause you know, when you're playing your own singles match, it's all about, you know, your match, trying to get your job done, trying to get the point for the team. But then you're thinking about, you know, trying to get the star, right. Especially since we hadn't gotten it in five years. So then I kind of just start running everywhere. Um, I saw my teammate plead Ben Valdez. I think he was a couple down when I finished my match. I saw Chad who was up at his match uh, at the time, but then I heard that David McCauley, my, my teammate, my classmate was up on 18 and he was all square. And so I, I literally sprinted with our manager, Alex Weisker, um, and another plebe, Andrew Wilkinson. All three of us sprinted to 18 green. And as we were sprinting, we watched David walk in his birdie putt to win his match. And, I mean, that was crazy. Um, you know, David had – he didn't play in the four ball. And then uh, coach selected him to play in the singles match. And he got his point, And it was awesome, especially the way he won it. And so, you know, we, we were thinking, like, holy smokes, here it is. All the guys are playing great and everything. And then, obviously, it, it didn't work out in the end um, in regulation. But, uh, yeah, Coach Burke came over to me, our assistant coach, and he was like, hey, you know, there might be a playoff coming up. Um, start getting in that mindset. Eventually kind of became a reality. So I actually walked over to the driving range expecting to maybe hit like, you know, 20 or 30 balls. But the shed wasn't open to get the balls out. So I actually sprinted onto the driving range, collected like six or seven balls like in my shirt, ran back and hit six or seven golf balls, striped all of them out in the driving range. I was like, all right, I'm ready. I don't even like, I'm ready to do this. Go to the putting green, hit some putts, um, and then go out for the playoff. And yeah, I mean, it just, I, I was, I was nervous as heck for it. Um, I vividly remember saying that quote to coach, um, and yeah, I mean, I just, I, I had all the confidence in the world, I think partially because they gave me their confidence. Um, also, I think I had a lot of confidence just because I enjoyed the format of match play. And I had actually been in a similar situation for an alternate spot for the USAM over the summer um, in a playoff. So it was kind of crazy how that all worked out. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I kind of just, every shot of the playoff, I was just like, just do your job, do your due diligence, get the ball where it needs to be. And when I saw him pull his, his second shot left of the green, I kind of knew he was screwed. Um, and so all I had to do was just put the ball on the right side of the green and, and I'm a good putter. So I worked a lot with coach on my putting over the last couple of weeks and gotten it dialed in, just had a couple of good putts. And that was that. Oh, it doesn't take much is... to warm up a Rolls Royce. <laughs> Well, Coach Owen, I, yeah, I was just going to get to you because you've played with me enough times to know that if anyone's usually screwed on number one, it's me. And if there's anyone who isn't a smooth putter like Nick is, it's also me. So, so Coach, number one, we, we talked about how it's been five years and, and not a lot of stars, um, you know, against Army. Um, what, what did Sunday mean to you? You know, I talked to Eddie Bilderback on Monday 
got to play around with you and, and said that you were just smiling ear to ear and, and, and you were so happy. You know, what, what did it mean for you to see Nick, who's been through so much, particularly in the last year, go out there with nerves of steel and just drain that putt? Um, how, how fulfilling is it for you as a coach? Oh, just unbelievable, guys. I mean, that uh, playoff hole and then Nick's classmate, classmate, David McCauley, who we put in for the singles and was two down with four to go and then uh, part 15, birdied 16, part 17, and then had a walk-off birdie on 18 to win one up. I mean, those moments make it all worthwhile. And just to see Nick just shine in his element was just incredible. And I'm so happy for the team because last year's graduating class had some really incredible players, Patriot League, MVP, all kinds of things. But we were never able to uh, have just the right mojo to win the, uh, the end star during their four years. So I'm so happy for Nick and his classmates and his teammates. Oh, we all are, Coach. That's for sure. Well, Ward, I'll tell you what, you know Nick not only in his capacity as an extremely good golfer, but, you know, as a, as a naval officer to be, um, I'll kick it over to you for, uh, for the next question. Well, so another colleague of mine here who knows Nick, who was on the Navy golf team when he was a mid Bill Bray class of 88, uh, was there at, at, and he was giving me the play by play via text message. And, and, uh, then I saw the video that, uh, was on Twitter of, of Nick draining the eight footer um, and the celebration that followed and just as, you know, felt great pride because uh, Nick is one of us. Once you're an intern, you know, you became, you become sort of an adjunct member of the, the, the staff here at the Naval Institute. Um, so, you know, I, I've been a fan of Navy golf since I was on the staff here. And I first met Pat back in 1998. Um, that's, I remember when Pat came up to me um, it was, what year was that, Pat? 99. You're like, oh, yeah, I got this kid coming. He's from Leesburg. His name's Billy Hurley. Um, you know, I remember that conversation <laughs> very vividly. Um, and so, you know, to see the team succeed like this and then to know, you know, great future Naval officers and, and young men of great character and achievement like Nick, um, it just does my heart good. And that, that, he says he's a good putter. Got it. But that was a clutch situation. You know, and, and like he said, the Army guy missed it left. And so he short-sighted himself. He had a harder up and down. Um, but Nick's two-putt was no bargain. And uh, I think, I mean, help us out, Coach and Nick. I think, Nick, you went against Coach's advice on how to hit the first shot. Uh, I think, didn't Pat, didn't you want him to chip it? And, and Nick, you wound up putting it, right? No, no, no. We knew we knew Nick was going to putt it, but I think I over overestimated how high to play the break on the because you had to hit it on the top tier for a good thirty or forty feet, and then have it catch the slope and and funnel down. And so both Coach Mike Burke and I were with Nick, and uh, I stood up there and I said, "What do you guys think about up here?" And they're like, "Nah, that's too high." And then Nick. Nick made the final call and just nudged it down there beautifully because that is an extremely difficult two putt. Right. And, and you can tell from the video, um, as I heard from Bill when he watched it in real life, the stroke is very confident. Um, and, you know, that's just, just that kind of cool under pressure. And that's as pressured as it gets. The end star match 
against, you know, in, in front of a gallery, um, first playoff hole, you know, that's, that's what we all dream about, you know? So um, I, I'm thinking Pat that you have a young team, very talented team, obviously. And so things are looking good for Navy golf going forward. Oh, we are thrilled. Um, we have four really talented plebes, uh, three of whom played um, in the match this weekend and were key contributors behind the scenes, really didn't get much publicity, but kept us in the match on Saturday and then uh, had a key win and a key have on Sunday in the singles. But what's really cool to see uh, Ward and John and Bill is the way that Nick and our team captain, Chad, who's Nick's best buddy on the team, and David, and then our fourth senior, Ben Burton, how they have taken these younger guys into the fold and just kind of show them the traditions and the way that we do things. And these guys are just eating it up. They love every second of it. And that's really a, a tribute to the firsties leadership skills. Wags? Well, I want to go back to this playoff hole and have you explain a little more clearly because – First of all, we all know hole number one at Navy. We've all played there numerous times. That's par five for Mr. Wagner. He's never, ever, ever been on that green and two. Um, but <laughs> kind of tell me, shot by shot, you hit a great – I'm going to guess you striped the drive based off what you said uh, of your driving range uh, exploits. Um, and then so was your second shot the one that – you hit the green and because and, I, I could tell from the putt, I watched on video and knowing that green, that was an uphill putt, was it not? Yeah, so, so my, yeah, my second shot, I had about 130 yards in. Um, uh, it was uphill 13 yards. So with that and the wind, it was playing like 151, 152 adjusted. Um, so I took an eight iron and kind of just choked down almost all the way down to the shaft and just tried to like chip something up there. Um, about a safest shot I could have hit. Um, didn't want to get one caught up in the wind, got kind of going back up the hill and have it stall short of the green. Um, and then where I was on the green, I was about 40 feet right of the pen, about hole high. Um, and it was kind of on the first, just kind of off the edge of the green. So kind of on the collar. Um, and so I think the way that putt used to be, it may have been uphill, but now it kind of feeds down. So for the first about 25 feet of the putt, it's kind of like a constant downhill. But then after that, it kind of steepens off kind of further downhill. Um, and then while it's doing that, it's also breaking hard left. So yeah, I'd estimate there was 15 feet of break on that putt. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. And then, so, so it's one of those putts wags where you got to hit it up on the upper level and have it ride the surf all right. the way along the top of the green. And then as it dies, it takes a hard left and rolls down about 20 feet to the left. Well, I was talking about the putt that was the par putt that, that was the setup putt, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was the setup putt. Yeah. So the, the par putt, yeah, that, that, that putt was about like six or seven feet uphill right to left. And I think that I looked at Coach and Berkey and I kind of said right edge or just outside of it. And they both kind of were like, yeah, I agreed. We love it. Yeah. yeah. And I just – it's it was funny because 
kind of the whole week prior, I, my putting was a little off and I figured something out the night before actually, cause I've been missing kind of some right to left putts. Cause my face, my putter face was a fraction open. Um, and so that day I putted beautifully and I kind of just had the same feeling that I had worked on the night before and kind of just hit it right on my line and it was dead center. Yeah, Nick actually mentioned that to me on Saturday afternoon. He, he, he said, uh, I want to work on my putting a little bit. And he mentioned uh, about his putter face. And uh, obviously, whatever adjustment he made on his own was, was phenomenal. Hey, guys. So now, uh, last question for me before I hit it back to John and Ward for a couple questions. I mean, what does this do for Navy golf as it relates to playing Army? Because obviously a five-match losing streak, and that starts to become a monkey on your back. I would imagine for the seniors to be able to rid that monkey is it means a lot. And it's not something that the uh, younger golfers who are returning are going to feel that pressure because that's just something that starts to build when you haven't beaten army in a while. Yeah. I mean, I actually, agree. With, I agree with that. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah. I mean, well, it's actually kind of funny because right after we won, uh, Andrew Wilkinson, one of the plebes on the team actually came over to me and was like, all right, it's time to go four and so the whole mindset just changes, right? Because, you know, you go in every year and you think, gosh, I really want to beat Army. But then when you actually do it, then you can kind of make, you can, you know, why not beat him next year? Why not beat him the year after? And kind of turn into a trend. And it becomes less, as you were saying, less of a monkey and more so of like an achievable goal. That's what we do, Right. Well, now, gentlemen, uh, John, John and Bill, if I could go back for one, can I go back one second to Nick's shot please. from the fairway? Yeah. So he, Nick kind of touched on it, but for people that don't play a lot of competitive golf, if you get to the first hole at Navy and you look over and you say, okay, I'm, I'm 130 yards from the green. That's my, you know, that's my nine iron or that's my eight iron or something like that. But Nick factored in so much information before that shot under pressure. It was incredible. So he shot the actual distance. Then he calculated the uphill adjusted yardage. Then he calculated the wind. And then he determined at what trajectory he was going to hit his shot. So, you know, there are some, some holes where Nick can hit an eight iron 170 yards. And in this case, he hit it 130 yards, but it was perfect distance. And that's really a tribute to his um, intellect on the course and his ability to think well under pressure. Well, and, and that's why you all get Bachelor of Science degrees, right, Nick? I mean, yeah, you've got you to be a little <laughs> bit of a scientist and a mathematician out there. I mean, I'll tell you what, 150 in the middle of that fairway where I've never been, I'm still probably hitting hybrids. <laughs> I know you are too, Coach. Um, so I'll, I'll end it by just asking both of you a very simple question. And, and Nick, I'm going to start with you. Um, you had your plebe year. No one likes plebe year. You're... you're Sophomore year, your youngster year basically gets cut pretty short because of COVID. Um, you lose an entire year because of COVID. Uh, now it's your senior year. And, and, you know, as someone who I lost my dad about uh, 10, 11 months ago, I know you've gone through an incredibly tough time losing your dad, going through a tough time. What is the physical mission? What is the, what is, what is what's so special about the Naval Academy, your teammates and your shipmates and the whole environment there? How did it get you through? Um, and, and, and what are you going to take away from this experience as you become a Naval officer? 
Yeah, you know, there was there was one thing that my dad used to. It was like a, a movie um, that he used that he used to watch quite a bit, like when it was on TV. He used to watch Dead Poet Society, and actually, Robin Williams has like a little quip in there about carpe diem um and so like that's kind of been a thing that i've really attached myself to over the last probably six months or so is this idea of like seize the day and it sounds like super tacky but when i came back i really wanted to apply it because you know i, I had to quarantine when i got back and then um, in two weeks, we actually had to play army and this was back in the, in, in the spring in March. And so pretty much just taking every day and trying to get the most out of it. Um, and you know, that along with kind of the support that my teammates showed me when I got back, I mean, coming over while I was quarantining, trying to you know, sneak around and stuff like that, trying to see me and, and make sure I was doing all right. And, you know, when I would try to sneak over to the golf course, when I maybe shouldn't have been, uh, they, they were over there talking to me and asked me how I was doing and making sure I had everything I needed to, to do school remotely. Um, and they were great. Um, people like David, I mean, just incredible, um, during that time. Um, and so it, it really showed me how important it is to have people care for you. Um, and so if you're asking me what I'm going to take from all this and how I'm going to apply it, you know, my future career, I would say, first of all, try to get the most you can out of every day because they're all special and you don't know how long you have here on earth. Um, and then additionally, you know, really care about the people that, you know, are under you or above you or equal to you. Because at the end of the day, sometimes all a person needs is just for somebody to care about them. And so if you can show people that you care and you can show people that you have their best interests in mind, then I feel like you're going to get the most out of them. So. Well, Nick, I'll tell you what, you're, uh, you're well on your way. Um, you go out to the fleet with that, with that mindset and, and your sailors will walk through fire for you. And I know that you'll walk through fire for your sailors as well. Coach, you've been doing this for 32 years. Um, I know that every year is different, but what's it mean for you? I mean, not just at the best of times, like you had on Sunday, getting the star, uh, but even at the worst of times, what, what is the 32 years meant for you? Um, geez, John, it's meant a lot because, you know, you see decades of Navy golfers and you see, guys like you and Ward coming through and you, you met them 15, 20, 30, 30 years ago. And now they're all pinging us on social media. Hey, way to go. And they're following these guys, you know, and one day Nick will be one of those older guys and he'll be talking to the coach and supporting the, the guys that are coming through the program at that point. And it's just, it's just so cool to see and to see what they accomplish after graduation in all different venues. And, um, they never forget Navy golf. Well, coach and Nick, thank you so much for joining the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Nick, congratulations again uh, on the putt and, and just for being a fine young man. We wish you good luck as you go out in the fleet. Coach Owen, as always, thank you for joining us. Congrats on the win. We can't wait to have you back on there. You guys get on the road this Sunday for the, uh, for the UConn Invitational, played up in Massachusetts. Good luck to you guys. Bring home a W. Let's sing second. Thanks for having us on the show. This was fantastic.
No, thank you, Coach. Thank you, Nick. It was a pleasure meeting you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we will bring this thing out. Thank you so much for sticking with us. What a great set of interviews. This is Sing Second Sports. We'll be right back. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by our sponsors at Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion? Or just looking for a place to chill on a Friday or Saturday night? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an old fashioned and a Dry 85 burger, both locations will take care of you. Special thank you to Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, for being fantastic supporters of the Sing Second Sports podcast. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, everyone. This is John. We're back from break. Uh, if you're coming in to town uh, for the big game this weekend, again, it's at 3.30 um, against UCF right there at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. But say you're coming in on Friday, uh, you've got a reunion, you're going to be sticking around on Sunday to play golf uh, at the newly renovated and Austin Naval Academy golf course. You're going to want to know what the weather is like. And joining us again for our Home game weather segment is WBAL-TV 11 News' Ava Marie. She of the Rock Chalk Jayhawk, Kansas Jayhawks. They are one in three right now. They started off beating South Dakota and then just got steamrolled by Coastal Carolina, Baylor, and Duke. I know that Ava is looking forward to Saturday's big game at Iowa State. But before that, Ava, what can people expect as they come into town for the Naval Academy football game on Saturday weather-wise? Oh, wow. I mean, talk about a beautiful time of year in Annapolis. So yes, I hope people can make a whole weekend out of it because the weather just looks so nice for an entire weekend. And this is really just that ideal time of year where you get so many sunny days and then also days with low humidity. And that combination just makes it perfect to be outside. Now, the mornings are getting chilly. I'm not sure how early people start to tailgate on Saturday morning, but easily could be near 60 degrees. So, you know, I'm the type that I would bring layers, but I mean, as the day goes on, it ends up room temperature, mid-70s. Who can complain about that? Yeah, seriously, it's going to be a gorgeous day. I know that it's already what I like to call chimenea weather at night, where you, you light that outdoor fire, and it's kind of a rite of passage for fall and autumn for me, is that first scent of you know, the wood burning in the air. Um, so you know, here we are. We're kind of at the tail end of hurricane season, but you're tracking like a bunch of stuff happening. Say people are doing long-range plans going into late October or that last home game in November, what are you kind of looking at trend-wise as we uh, as we go through the next couple of weeks and months? I'll say we did really luck out, though, because there are two tropical systems out in the Atlantic right now. In fact, there's a very large Hurricane Sam that's been traveling through the Atlantic, but it misses most land. And a big factor in that is all the fronts that have been moving through the U.S., moving off the East Coast and giving us this gorgeous fall weather those have helped to steer all that tropical activity away. So at least for another week, there is no threat to the U.S., even as yet another system is forming off the coast of Africa. That one, Victor, also seems to stay offshore. But this is still expected to be a busy tropical system or season, I should say. Um, we're expecting the La Nina to kind of kick in in the next couple months, and that can keep the hurricane season going. So we have had systems that have affected the state of Maryland in the month of October. So it's still something we can't rule out. Thankfully, at this moment, though, there is no threat. And because of all those fronts, we are just ending up with gorgeous football weather this weekend. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. Uh, Jimmy the Greek, um, our producer, Chris Cervello, was mentioning right before we came on that you can actually bet on the weather now. So 
What degree of what degree of uh, confidence do you have in going all in on Saturday's perfect uh, forecast? Are you willing to you willing to bet it all on on everyone having a gorgeous day at Navy Marine Corps Stadium? Saturday, I would put all my money in, all my money in that Saturday is going to be fine. Sunday's iffy, and that goes to show just all the, that one day can make all the difference. That on Sunday there's a slight chance for showers. And it seems even more likely that showers and storms will start to build by Monday and Tuesday. So we really lucked out that Saturday is such a clean slate because if it was Sunday, I'd start, you know, kind of hedging my bets and, and trying to see just how much money I'd hold back. Ooh, well, Mr. Cervello and I will be playing Baltimore Country Club Sunday afternoon. So let's hope for uh, let's hope for some good weather up there in Baltimore County. Ava, I'll thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week as we have another home game back to back. But uh, any final words before we uh, before we head to break? Well, I, of course, I would love for this picture perfect weather to continue for every football game. But but I'll be up for the challenge if we have some more active weather in some of the upcoming home games. <laughs> well, we can't wait to have you back on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's Ava Marie from WBAL Channel 11 here in uh, Baltimore. Um, Ava, thank you. Have a good weekend, and we will see you next week. Yeah, and good luck. All right. Thanks so much to Ava Marie for the weather. Uh, before we go out, there was a midweek uh, result that we'd like to talk about. Uh, I'll tell you what. The, the men's soccer team, um, not only securing the 200th career victory for, for Coach OD last night, but a really, really big win, um, scoring a golden goal in the 108th minute and double OT to secure a 3-2 victory over the Lafayette Leopards. Uh, this now puts Navy men's soccer at 7-1-1 and and the all-important 2-1-0 and in the Patriot League. Um, you know, because you know, you, you've really got to, they, they played very well in the non-conference slate, but now it's, now it's game time. Um, you know, getting the Patriot league is job number one, job number two, obviously the big game up there in Philly against army, which we're going to try to definitely try to go to. Um, but the next one on the slate, uh, is Holy cross on, um, on October 2nd at noon, uh, but I'll tell you what, um, Chris, you know, you watched a little bit of it online. So did I. Zach Wagner uh, getting that uh, golden goal in the 108th minute preceded by really wonder goals by David Jackson and Sidney Paris. He of the 5'9", 150 pounds uh, gargantuan presence out there on the uh, on the pitch. But I don't know what the more exciting goal was yesterday. Zach Wagner's winner in the 108th minute or Cristiano Ronaldo saving Manchester United against the Yellow Submarine yesterday in the Champions League. Chris, what were your thoughts? First of all, I am obsessed with this ESPN Plus coverage, I have to say. I mean, you know, living outside of Annapolis, don't have the opportunity to go in person. And Joe Miller does such a great job doing the men's and women's games. And it has become a midweek staple here. And in fact, I missed my kids' practice so that I could watch the game. Hat tip to my wife for... Uh, covering down so that I could watch Navy men's soccer, but you just get a sense from this team that they don't get, um, they don't get nervous. They don't get phased. I mean, they've played a number of nail biters, including a handful of, uh, 
of overtime games and they just are, they, they seem very calm. They, they just, you know, are in the game until, until they put it away. And I mean, you know, they went up two to one um, and Lafayette answered right back on a, uh, on a penalty kick. And, you know, they just kept with it. They, they finished out the half strong and, and looked good in overtime. And as you said, that golden goal there at the 108 point kudos to uh, coach OD for his 200th win. I think he'd say none of this matters unless they, uh, you know, do well in the season, but uh, I'm definitely on the Navy men's soccer bandwagon. It's the depth that's starting to impress me. Like nowhere in uh, the write-up or anything like that is, is any mention of, you know, the big center back, Matt Nosita, no mention of Cali. Um, you just have guys, next guy up, coming out and making a difference. I think that's really going to help them um, as they navigate through the uh, Patriot League schedule here. It's a quick turnaround. If you're coming in for the uh, football game, I would certainly encourage everyone to stop by the Graduate Hotel for the pregame at 11.30 to 12.30. And then if you want to like just see us at 11.30 and roll right over to Glen Warner and see, uh, see men's soccer kick off against uh, Holy Cross at noon, please do that. Show, the, show these guys your support. Come out and see us at the Graduate and then roll over there um, and watch some of the game. When our uh, pregame show at the graduate is done at 1230, we're going to head over there and try to catch a little bit before we head to the stadium to uh, do the pregame hit with WAG. So again, hats off to uh, Coach OD and Navy Men's Soccer for the big win over Lafayette. That will do it for this podcast. Uh, thank you so much to Coach Pat Owen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Ava Marie. Um, and really kudos uh, to our boy Nick Clock for, for draining an absolute money putt um, to give the end star to, uh, to Navy Golf. Thank you to uh, Athletic Director Chuck Gladchuck for his support of this podcast. And thank you, the fans, the listeners. We'll see you at 1130 at the Graduate Hotel on Saturday. Go Navy. Beat everybody. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segments.